next guest is an EDM artist. For the past seven years or so, he's been living in Seattle. He's collaborated with local artists such as Raz Simone and Macintosh, as well as artists in the industry such as Bass Nectar. It's my pleasure to introduce Levitate. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm with a very special guest, the one and only Levitate. What up? Dude, I love how you spell your name, too, with the the triangle. And one thing that I do have a problem with, though, is like for some reason on um, laptops, I have no idea where to find those extra emojis and stuff. So I'm like, how the heck do I type a triangle on my keyboard? But freaking with the like iPhones or Androids, you can just like hold down like the A button or whatever, and it comes up with the triangle icon. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it's kind of a nightmare, to be honest, man. Um, I back in what would that be like 2014 or 2015? I ran into some issues with like, uh, I mean, a few artists, but one specifically named Levitate. And um, I had already done some things in my career that like made me want to stick with the name, you know. And so I was like. I don't know. I hit him up. I was like, dude, can like we come to like <laughs> like a happy medium? Like, I don't know. Maybe you can add like a three or something like that. And he just was like, <laughs> it was like any further communication will be with my lawyers. And I was like, all right, I'm fucking out. Um, and then uh, and so around that time, like like, I don't know, Uzi, it was that was like deep SoundCloud days. So like Uzi was really popping. A lot of like witch house artists were really popping with like a lot of special characters in their name and shit. And I thought it would be cool at the time to swap the A out for like a Greek uh, Delta. But mm. the the problem with, see like at the time, this is, keep in mind, this is 2014. So you're around like, 
I don't even remember the, the what whatever that Mac OS was. Oh, okay. They, they still used Alt J as the character, and there's that band named Alt J. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, people will know if they want to know. They'll know how to type that, you know. Mm-hmm. And then High Sierra dropped, and I didn't know anything about Windows at the time, so I was just like, I was just on faith. Like I was like, bet, like they'll figure it out. And then High Sierra dropped from Mac in like, I want to say like 2017. And they just kicked the Delta character all together. Mm. And, and by that time, I'm way too deep. By that time, that's like <laughs> all of my, all of my like career essentially is with that name. And it just screwed me, man. Like, I, like seriously, to be honest, the only way that you can actually, to my knowledge, and I'm the guy with the Delta in his name, <laughs> To my knowledge, the only way that you can get that name is if you copy and paste it. Ah, uh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, and I think like my Spotify, uh, my Spotify analytics are a good reflection of the actual fan base that I have. If it wasn't like tainted by the Delta, because when you get LEV on Spotify, I'll pop up. I'll be the first guy. Just LEV. You don't even need any of that. But on everything else, you're you're completely fucked if you don't have it. Like you literally have to like search like levitate music or like Connor Levitate or something like that. You have to be specific. And Damn. Yeah, yeah it really screwed me. Honestly, like top top three worst decisions I've ever made in my career. Probably number one would be make, <laughs> adding that Delta to my name. Actually, have you um have you seen the movie Pop Star? I haven't. No. Big, um, it's like a satire with Andy Samberg and he goes by Connor for real and just uh, made me think about it because like Connor Levitate I'm like <laughs> you need to watch that movie it's one of the funniest fucking movies because um, I haven't really seen any good satires lately and that one came out in like 2016 or something hell and yeah they had like fucking DJ Khaled in it Nas Usher because um, Andy Samberg he has that band called the Lonely Island so yeah, it's like a lonely, lonely island spoof. It was fucking hilarious. Nice, nice. Is that like the the lonely island version of like the movie Big Break? You know how like the whitest kids you know had like Miss October or whatever that movie was, and like uh, the workaholics guys had that Netflix movie and whatever. Is that like the lonely island version of like? Yeah, basically. Yeah, got you. Fucking workaholics! I forgot about that show. That was a funny I- ass show. Yeah, man, I'm like, I like really, really fuck with that, with that camp. Like those three dudes are really funny. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm like, I have probably like five shows that I like routinely rewatch, you know, at the top of the list is Seinfeld and mm-hmm. then it works all the way down to Workaholics. Damn. I've been finding a ton of fucking shows lately during this. Cause I'm, I still call this a quarantine cause realistically you shouldn't be going out that much. So during this whole oh, yeah. quarantine, I've, I've like finished like five TV shows and I never watch TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching. I like, I like the like late nineties era of sitcom television, Mm. to be honest. It's really, really fucking whitewash. I mean, like that's the (laughs) only downside of it is like in that time, it's like such a pure reflection of America's like, shitty like you know hollywood like stereotype of what people sitcom people look like but Mm -hmm. outside of that outside of that the writing is pretty damn like wholesome 
and I like that shit. I like uh, I don't know, man. I'm into that kind of that comedy that like that like mid thirties style comedy, like the mid like thirty year old style comedy. Like it's not too like memey. It's mm-hmm. more like like as in like it's not too like internet culturey. It's more just like regular life dry humor shit. Like I like that stuff a lot. That's why I yeah. like Frasier. I, yeah. I love Frasier. They've ruined a lot of like even cartoon shows like nowadays like Family Guy. They all have like iPhones. They all have that flat screen TV. So that box they used to have like it's just yeah. kind of it's not it's just it kind of ruined ruined it for me because like if you notice acting even like everything's been like chillaxed almost like I feel like chillaxed is not even the right word but laid back like acting on people talk in movies now it's like more personable yeah yeah like it's i don't i'm like i have this weird thing with um with media where i like i like kitschy a lot like i really like shit that's like americana like at like kitschy aesthetics like like that's why i love vegas so much because it's like this is all like so forced and this is very like corny but it's like the right kind of corny like that's why like i i like love jerry seinfeld shit for that reason because like like i've seen the guy live because it's damn it's how do i put it it's like it's like you're part of like classic stand-up comedy like even if it's not that like laugh out loud funny from the jump you're just like this is like a guy in a suit in front of a brick wall with a microphone like all goofy and shit like Mm -hmm. it is like exactly the stereotype for stand-up comedy and i i love that kind of stuff i i really and that extends to like anything really like it could be like a restaurant or something like that and if it's full of like and if it looks like that restaurant and like um in like pulp fiction for instance i'll be like yo this is so sick you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i love that shit all that stuff is coming back too it's like like whether it's music videos having that weird like aesthetic where it's like a nineties vibe or anything like that. It's everything's yeah. like a circle. Yeah, man. I li- like I like my my thing I guess is that I like American culture. Like I like not like not not crazy nostalgia like on some fifties shit, but like I like very, very American culture. Like there's a lot of obviously like there's a lot of like really not cool bullshit in that. But if you just like strip it down to like touristy, goofy, like uh, National Lampoon type, like American, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just very like Americana, like fucking, I don't even know. Kind of like, kind of, I like essentially like what Lana Del Rey is, is like really tries to do with her brand or does with her brand. But like that being said, I'm not the biggest fan of chamber pop. So like Lana Del Rey is not like one of my top artists, but I just like that, that vert, that, that shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That kind of art. That's just super, just American culture. I so don't ch- know why. So chamber pop, is that like when she infuses like EDM type stuff with her music or? No, chamber describe? pop. Yeah. So chamber pop uh, is there's another room for it. Um, what the, what the hell was it called? Like big band pop something like that but chamber pop is essentially like the post frank sinatra like dolly parton kind of not not even dolly parton but like uh what the hell is that girl um mini something um but yeah it's like that like 60s 50s 60s 70s version of pop that's like slow 
jazz and there's like a it's drowned in reverb in for some re- weird reason but it's like it's that like it's not lana del rey's music essentially that that type stuff where it's like kind of jazzy but kind of like still pop music but kind of sad and all like reverby sounding but like vintage super vintage that's like chamber pop like um the weekend's new album kind of uh, kind of a bro, like pr- think more like instead of I I I think I heard like I think I listened to three quarters of that album. Um, instead of like straight like seventies eighties, it's more like think of that, but like the fifties version. You hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff. Got it. The weekend's album, by the way, sidebar. That shit was hilarious. I literally was like laughing my ass off listening to one of those songs. Dude, it was like, dude, like the guy, like with one of those songs, it's like so, so, so fucking 80s. And then like halfway through the song, maybe three quarters, there's like a one minute sax solo. And Mm -hmm. I just started dying laughing. Like, dude, this is like the same guy that wrote like all that crazy, like SoundCloud, super, super sexual stuff. And it's like, now it's just like, you're like George Michaels on these hoes. Yeah. It's the thing is things like are more, um, how do I describe it? They're more blatant nowadays, whether it's um, acting or music. Like in like the 80s, it was kind of a hit. I forget this. My family was like showing me this one song from the 80s and it was basically like about a boner. And it was yeah. like one of the top songs of the 80s. And like I've heard it before, but then they're like, no, actually listen to what they're talking about. And it's like hidden. But yeah. nowadays, everything's just so fucking blatant. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. The nuance, man. There was a lot of nuance. But there's like a duality to that. It's like I, I do like like that's kind of who I am as a person. Is I I kind of like to be a, a bit more like reserved with uh, even like artistically. There's like more ambiguity and like nuance to it. But that being said, there's some raw shit that really really does hit home. Like I remember the first back in like 2013 when I found Sus Boys art on Tumblr. It was like. Like I had found Susboy through like deep in the internet before, I think before he even did stuff for We Did It. Hmm. And um, I was like, this shit is so raw and so juggalo looking, like so like shitty America, if that makes sense, that I was, I loved it for how raw it was. And that's also why like even back in like, what would that be, 2011, um, when I found bad vibes from Shlomo, that's why what I really loved about Shlomo's stuff is that like the beats were so clunky and like so like like raw, like it just sounded like that dude like got a field recorder and was like, "Yep, take one, <laughs> that's it, first take, let's go." You know, I I like that. I I think like I think when it comes to nuance versus like being like blatant, um, I think. But there's there's good in both of those, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So how did you get into EDM? I feel like EDM's huge in Seattle when it comes to like fans, but mm. I have been struggling to find like EDM artists throughout Seattle versus the people that actually just come to town, you know? Yeah, I uh well I only moved to Seattle like seven years ago. So um <clears throat> I like grew up on the east coast essentially in the woods and um like all I had to occupy myself was snowboarding, skateboarding. And then when I couldn't do that, I just had the internet. And so I, I really like dove deep into the internet. And through that, I found 
just so much shit. Like, I, I mean, it really started with, uh, I would say it started with justice and like the whole blog house movement. Like, I think, I think what it was is snowboard videos was, would use shit like figurine mm. and like shiny toy guns and like that kind of stuff. Um, and then I, I would deep dive on that through, through blogs and like weird, just like, uh, what was that blog spot pages? Like those, those blogs. And then I would find, and then I found justice and I found like all these other things. I wasn't, I was never, it's funny. Cause like Daft Punk was so huge at that time, but I like, I had like maybe one Daft Punk song I liked. I like, wasn't, I wasn't really into them that much, mm-hmm. but um, justice was huge for me. And then, um, yeah. So I like, I dove into that. I had my mom buy me a DJ kit. I got like really obsessed with DJing. And then I like more than any producing, I was really obsessed with like DJ Craze and DJ Rafik, like the tractor videos of them scratching and shit. And um, they would always play, they would always insert electronic music into their shit. It wasn't like straight hip hop, you know, it was like a lot of electronic hip hop. And so I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And so that led me into wanting to find more and more electronic hip hop and shit like that. So dot, 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 like, 20 whatever i mean i moved to cali i like practiced djing producing for like a year moved back to vermont where i was like where i grew up and then um yeezus by kanye west dropped like i was yeah yeah like i was deep into all that shit like i was deep into like a bunch of stuff like hudson mohawk and like um and of course shlomo at the time and like even sinjin hawk like uh yeah just so much of that shit i like i had found uzi while i was in california and like bauer and all that stuff that and so that's, yeah that's like circa 2012 2013 and then yeah when i moved back to vermont yeezus dropped by kanye west and i was like this is it dude like that's <laughs> fucking like that was the crossover i wanted like this is like every oh arca too that's another big one in 2013 i found arcas and 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 tape or like whatever it is <laughs> um and that changed so much for me because it was like that like broke a lot of walls of what I thought was possible with music and what I thought was like listenable with mm. music. Like that whole tape, if you haven't heard it, it's really like 45 minutes of just like pure creativity and really, really fucking dark. And then so heard that, then I heard Yeezus and Yeezus was like a lot of that shit on a mainstream platform. And so I was like, okay, you can do that. And then by that time I was like, I, I was talking to some people in Seattle and my mom moved out to Seattle so I moved out and then um, lived with my mom for two years and was just straight up a hip hop DJ for like, no, yeah, yeah. So I, no, I lived with my mom for like two and a half, three years. And in that, in those first two years, I was like 19, 20 and 21. And during that time, I was just a hip hop DJ, like playing for like, I played for like two different um, like groups, hip hop groups. And Damn. then yeah in that time i was still i was obviously still producing a lot and trying to drive my own thing and then like in between that like i think i was still yeah i was way still djing hip-hop shows when um the whole like when the whole bass sector thing happened and then like after that i guess like i yeah shit we did like one song at first and then i dropped my album um mecca in like 26 15 or 16 or something like that and like i was i was doing all this other shit on the side with this label point is though by that time 
I had I had built enough momentum to like okay like I can play out of state shows now and I can like pay my bills kind of right now and then I just like hyper focused and just like took it from there you know so it's kind of like a combination of DJing producing and just getting your name out there or what did you do that stands out to other DJs or artists or well, I'm like a bit, see, like the game is way different now though. It's a, a, the game is like a really huge version of like, look at me. Like it's like that. I real talk, like that's really what it comes down to is like how you can, how you can stand in the crowd of producers and shit and be like, look at me, look at me, like how loud you can scream that. But in my, like in my day, like I've, I've like, I've been in this for like something like, 10 years or some shit like that so like about five years ago i want to say the game was a lot different it was really like if you if you pitch to the right people and you got the right sound someone will pick it up and like it will go like mini viral and the amount of times that you can clock that in like your career will just pop so for me it was way different than what these dudes do now than what people do now like for me it was like email as many blogs as like produce as many singles as you can then email as many blogs as possible and if you land like one two or three of those like at the time it was like uh dancing astronaut or like do androids dance or like nest hq hasn't even hadn't even started yet but if you land one of those like you would just kind of pop you'd like clock in like 30 to 100 thou on a song on SoundCloud and then you're in that ethos, you know? So that like my shit, it was that mixed with like the bass nectar collaborations, like that just set me in there, you know? But now like it's hard to, it's hard to give advice besides like just simply doing what you can do now, because there's not really like one specific thing that you can focus on and drive and lean into. Like back then it was like blogs. Like you're just like, get the fuck on blogs, like as hard as you can. Or like YouTube, even YouTube pages were, were weird because like you'd clock like 800 thou or some shit on a, on a song. And then like, no one would know who you were. They wouldn't differentiate your music from the YouTube channels. So you'd want to blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like all you leaned into. That was all like that you cared about. But now it's just like everything. It's like do everything that you can fucking imagine and see if you can get a cosign, I guess, along the way, you know. Damn, that is true. But I think along the way, you get to be a more well-rounded artist if you do have to have your hands in every single thing that's going on. Yeah, I mean, it op- It also opens up a more diverse sound. Like at that time, at that time, a scent... Anyway, at that time, essentially, uh, my phone is like vibrating in my pocket. <laughs> but yeah, at that time, essentially, it was like, it was essentially like you stuck to like the tropes. And if, because you, really, you're just trying to appease like a few certain blog writers. So it was like, if you like, if you like hip hop, you're gonna, you're gonna go really hard into trap music. And that's it. And it's just like, who's got the filthiest fucking trap? But now, and that's why, like, a lot of my stuff was more, was, like, really, like, way at that time, like, 2015. A lot of it sounded the same because it was, like, I'm just trying to carve that for myself. But now I think you can kind of do whatever you want 
and because there's so many avenues and like it really comes down to like if your music is good your music is good that girl chong the nomad from seattle is a really good example of that because like she had she uh she writes i like just the wonky pop music like the sophie kind of stuff i i don't i apologize if i'm like marginalizing her by saying that but it's <laughs> it's something like that you know um and she uh yeah she like got anthony fantano to who's like the needle drop like that guy mm-hmm. to uh to like live stream or tune and he starts bugging out on his live stream about it and that's like completely like that has nothing to do with edm at that point that's just like literally a music reviewer and then she's like she popped she popping off that you know what i mean like that was a huge boost for her mm-hmm. and so so it's like you can there's so many fucking ways and like you don't have to stick to a sound i think it just comes down to like if you're good you know like if you have heat then you have heat and and also with that though like it's more like if you have heat and you're loud because you can't you can't simply just write gas right now because it's so oversaturated like you really truly could write the best record of all time like you could write i'm god by clams casino and I don't think it would like break your own little bubble. Like you might pop really hard in your city or something like that. But like, if you don't have like, if you're not loud about it and it doesn't get into the hands of someone that can help spread it, or if like you don't like run ad, I don't know if there's no, if there's no avenue to actually get it into the bigger stream of things. Like I, I think you're stuck at that point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? like for edm artists is it just like rap where you can just like crank out a song instantly and then like have some of these songs you've released have you expected them to get as big as they have or is it just like you continuously working and cranking them out and then like oh shit this one's getting attention or are you purposely like when you have like gunplay and freaking rasamone together like you're, you're probably yeah. expecting that to already pop i'm gonna be honest man i didn't <laughs> expect that one i didn't expect that one to pop actually um the thing that's wild about that song too is like they the label didn't even like credit their pages so like <laughs> we didn't even get the algorithms on that like they credited them in at, in the feet like it's feet you know what i mean but like when you click on those names like the way that the label had had inputted it was gunplay and raz simone was the artist <laughs> so if you click on that there's like no music besides the one song so like I guess that song just like pop, like it, it wasn't, I don't know, man, like it, it didn't even hit their account. So I guess it just like people really liked it. And like, of course, like gunplay is fucking sick. So like, if you like gunplay and you find that one, I, I you're going to gravitate towards it. But no, man, like that song, uh, we thought War Ready was the one, you know what I mean? Like when, when we did the Omni EP, uh, that was like a flip of, a, of an older Macintosh song. And then they got those verses for that, for that remix. And like, uh, like, yeah, man, when I finished it, me personally, I was like, yeah, War Ready is probably going to blow, which like it did a lot of stuff. Like it did actually like a lot of really good things. But that that shit was the sleeper, man. Like that that uh, Light Waves tune, that was absolutely the sleeper because I think like I don't even I think it was like damn near a year after the song came out to where Mm. all of a sudden like it, it was going fast at first it was at first it was like 
not whatsoever. I mean, like that song probably had like half the plays War Ready had or something like that. We also thought Pins and Needles. That's why we did a music video for Pins and Needles. We thought Pins and Needles was going to pop way harder than it did because that verse is like really unique. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is like if this blows up, people are going to be like, whoa, this is a crazy sound and it might really blow up. So, yeah, we thought those two were going to do it. But like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what it was. If it if it was the gunplay and the Raz thing, then like big shout out to them, even still big shout out to them. But I, it was completely a sleeper. Like it was out of nowhere. Like my manager, I was in Atlanta for like a month. I stayed there for a month in like 2017. And I was with my manager at the time. He's not my manager now anymore, but like shout out Greg still. He's cool. Uh, but I was with him and he was like, oh, dude, congrats. You just like broke 100K. I was like, on what? What are you talking about? And then like it was that it was that that song. And then it just never stopped. It, it just like kept on clocking plays like that. So I guess people really like it. I don't know. I'm going to shut this door right next to me because I think there's an echo. Yeah, no worries. Um, so with your sound and your career, do you think it came just over time? Or do you think people kind of feel like you just popped out of nowhere? Or do you think everything was kind of gradual and purposeful for you? Uh, yeah, I think, well, I think like there was an era where I even had one of my friends like, like do a Freudian slip and like drop this on me. There was like an era where I was like popping. Um, like I have a very sustained brand right now and career right now, but there was like, there was this certain era like 2015, 16 and like early 2017 where it was like, where it was like, you're next up, you know what I mean? And it was like, this dude is like really, really coming up. And I think like, to be honest, I think I just went, well, my man, I mean, you can't, it's a combo of a lot of things. Like we were moving slower than we should have been in my opinion. I didn't necessarily have the re- have the resources that like I, looking back now, I wish I had, mm-hmm. um, uh, and like my shit was like more abstract that's another big thing is like around that time, like if you listen to a song like pins and needles, which is when like there was a lot of like EDM attention on me. If you listen to that song, it's like way more abstract than like, than anything you would hear in like DJ festival sets, you know? And that in a sense was like shooting myself in the foot, I guess, but I wouldn't, I want to change that like that's that put me in a way more like spirit like mentally spiritually happy place with my music than if I didn't write abstract shit like that um but yeah no I mean like for a moment though yeah it was like the a very like not stereotypical but stereotypical come up where it was like oh you get the big cosign you get a cosign from big artists and then like all these blogs are doing your shit and then like random things were popping up. Like we, I had like all these DJs play my shit and like all that good stuff, which I'm very thankful for. Um, yeah, I think, I think it was my own like fucking like edginess or whatever that did it. Like not even, not even like giving myself credit. It's just like a big double edged sword. It was like, I really kind of slowed shit down, but I also like, in my opinion, like did the right thing. Like I, I wrote, I, there's just, there's like one thing I wish I would have done is sign this one record to Cannabalan Records. We did, I did this song called New Breed, um, which is like very, it was very abstract at the time for what it was, in my opinion. 
and they were like, yo, like this is super creative. And this is at the time when like we were working with them. Like I did a Cannabalan radio and shit. So like 2016 <laughs> or something like that. And they're like, yo, this is really creative. And like, this is wild, but like the engineering isn't where we want it to be. Can we have electric engineer it? And I was so fucking stubborn at the time. I was like, nah, dude, like I like the way my shit sounds. And we just, and then that like, that's what like slowed momentum with them. And we like stopped working with them professionally per se. And that one, I was like, damn, well at the time, like that would have been really good because for a lot of reasons, it's like, A, there would have been a really creative record signed to Cannabalan because it was a lot of dubstep and like electro at the time. So, which it still is, but it would have been a really creative record signed to Cannabalan that would be like a whole new audience that I wasn't re- that I wasn't open uh, to prior to that. Mm-hmm. Like we would have been like working with those dudes like that. That would have opened up a lot of doors. That's like the one thing where I was like, fuck man. Like I was way too stubborn for my own good at the time. Um, but yeah, no, I like, I, I don't know. I thought I'm like, I'm happy with the way that shit turned out still. Yeah. If you got people having tattoos of your logo on their stomach, that if you're doing something right, like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that was crazy, man. That one was like, there's like, I think there's three people with uh, references to levitate but that one was like dog like you went in (laughs) man like it's like it's like that big dude it's like a huge thing and i'm like i i fuck with that kid super tough that tika i i like i love that kid he's super nice he's from like south africa i think oh wow yeah yeah we i hadn't even like that's another wild thing is like that dude that got the tattoo like i hadn't even like like the only shit that we talked was on Instagram was like, yo, thanks for reposting. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, he'd be like, I love your shit. And I'd be like, thank you so much, man. And then just like out of the blue, I was like, whoa, dude, you're like a real one. What the fuck? Yeah. It's like Joe Rogan, dude. Joe Rogan gets like so many people with this, like getting his logo tattooed on their body. And he like always posted on his Instagram stuff. I'm like, that's awesome. I can't wait. I can't like if people and more people do that, I'm I'm gonna be just ecstatic. Like I I was damn near in tears when that dude got the got the the moth on there because it was like, dude, that's like huge. You know, that's bigger than my levitate tattoo. I have one levitate tattoo on the back of my calf for my old logo, and that shit is bigger than that. And I'm the guy. Damn. I'm like, bro. Yeah, he really went in on that one. When when did you get to a level where you were so? you knew your career was going to make it. So you got a tattoo. Like, I feel like if you're like an up and coming artist, you might want to wait out on a tattoo until like <laughs> something actually pops off. Yeah. Well, I got it. I got it. I got the levitate wrote it. So that one is my old logo. I got that shortly after I made a new logo. Cause it mm-hmm. was, it was more of like a, I don't know. It was like a sentiment. Like I spent so much time, with that like that rose was on everything you know so it was like i probably spent like five years with that logo so at that time the fact that i was retiring it made me okay with getting the tattoo because that's like the cat you know what i mean that's like where it's like that ends. so there's no this isn't going to go anywhere else like this logo isn't going to go anywhere else so i can compartmentalize that and be like okay that is what that did that's that's that era in my life you know when you get like a logo of something that you're currently doing or currently working with like you don't know where that uh 
where that brand is going to go. You know what I mean? So like, then it's risky to, you know, take a logo, like do that logo. Yeah. That makes sense. So what, why'd you make the moth logo? What's the meaning behind that? Yeah. It's, uh, it's cause like I wanted to, I, to be honest, like I wanted to, uh, it's a wireframe, right? So that's like a 3D. That's like how things are laid out in 3D is by wireframe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but I was trying to like, like not personify whatever the animal version of personify is. I was trying to like personify um, myself with it, like in 3D. That mm-hmm. was kind of the bit. Is that like this is cheesy, but like this is where it landed. Um, like moths are the same exact as butterflies, like structurally speaking, like, but like not, you know, like figure wise, they're the same thing as butterflies, but moths are like icky. But yet, like you look at a butterfly and people are like, they think they're so pretty. They let, they let a bit butterfly land on them and like do their own thing. But moths are like icky, but they're the same thing. You know what I mean? So like the, the idea was being that like, just it, it's different but this still this shit is still beautiful you know what i mean like the, the, you have your stereotypical beauty and then you have your off brand of beauty and like if you spend enough time with that and pay enough ten- attention to that you'll find that moths are like you know what i mean like just as beautiful as butterflies like that <laughs> kind of thing they're like the same thing yeah i get so it that, yeah that was kind of the bit is like i'm <laughs> i'm different but like <laughs> you know what i mean have you seen the um i think it was like early 2000s or even the 1990s when they had that um spongebob episode where like the butterfly gets released throughout the city and there's fucking anarchy and they like zoom in on the butterfly it's fucking hideous that was like that's the first time i ever saw like a butterfly up close on a cartoon i was like holy shit (laughs) yeah man like they're bugs dude like that's like the thing with moths and butterflies it's like that's a it's kind of a funny subject to me man because it's like yeah like butterflies are like cute like they're literally on like like little girls like but like high like school notebooks and shit you know Mm -hmm. what i mean but if you close in like they come from larva like they build a chrysalis like it's like the same shit as moths which are like gross you know what i mean but they're the same exact thing like it doesn't actually it's one of those things with like it's like human nonsense where it like doesn't we do so much shit that doesn't make sense when you actually break it down, you know, but that's just like society or whatever. That's like the human nature. It's, I don't know. Is there a correlation between your logo and silence of the lambs at all? Or is it just, no, <laughs> no, I haven't even, I haven't finished that movie and my roommates give me a lot of shit for it. Shit. Yeah. I've seen every single one of there's like four of them or some shit like that. <laughs> word. <laughs> you gotta see them all. But yeah, that's what I kind of did when I was like thinking about your promotion because it, it, it just reminded me of that movie like instantly. So I was like, here we go. Hell yeah. I fuck with that. That's <laughs> so what I don't about, know. Wait, yeah. Continue. What are you saying? So what about this, like those robot stuff you have in like your promotion videos and like your music videos? Um, I started, well, I mean, that comes from like a lot of inspiration, but I like really when it comes down to it, man, like I, uh, I'm, I'm just an artist. Like I like, I, I, this sounds pretentious, but like, bear with me. Like I'm an artist. Like I just create, I just create in whatever zone that I find myself in. 
I create what is what I like in that field, right? Like what I like in that zone. And so like my point being is like aesthetically, I'm kind of as a person, I'm like kind of all over the place, but like I definitely have preferences here and there, but I found myself at like 25, 24 when I started doing 3D work, I found myself in a position where I wrote electronic music and write electronic music and I make electronic visuals that are in 3D, you know, because like that was the, the 3D visuals is the easiest way to make a lot of visual content without a big budget. Mm. Like even if my computer is worth like X amount of dollars or whatever, that's still going to be cheaper than like five music videos. You know what I mean? But I can make a hundred music videos on my computer now if I you know what I mean so I found myself being I'm like okay I'm a 3d artist and I make electronic music so I'm in that box right now not right now like I right now I make like in I've been making a lot of indie electronic music but at 25 that's where I was at Mm -hmm. where it's like okay I'm in that box now so within that it's like what's the most what in my opinion is the most artistically tasteful thing to do like I'm an artist I'm a creator so like what what am I gonna make in this zone which like this isn't an epiphany I had after after like 2018 and doing shows I hit this wall where I was like what the fuck am I doing man like I didn't even like a lot of my music because aesthetically it, it meant kind of like nothing like it was all over the fucking place and like if you listen to I still have a lot of love for that division release, the collapse EP. But like, if you listen to it, especially with songs like pulling teeth, it's like brain nonsense. Like it's like so much shit that doesn't really have a world to it besides like purely trippy out at like everything all at once kind of world. Like it's, it's aesthetically static. You know what I mean? It's just like, just white noise is really what I'm, I'm trying to say with insane like look at me type production there's so much like look at what i can do shit which doesn't really mean anything you know what i mean so i was like all right found myself in that position i'm like i make this shit i make super digital art that's the point and so i'm like all right as an artist what really fits in that that isn't like cringe you know what i mean like what do i feel like is because to me like it would be this is speaking subjectively i'm gonna start like low-key taking shots but like to me it would be cringe if i'm like i'm a super edm guy or like i'm a super electronic cyber cyborg guy and i like put on a mask and start making electro and it's like all (laughs) fucking like tron looking i mean that's cool if you're into that but like i there's a good and bad way to do it's like a trope at that point though exactly exactly that that was my point is like bro like like we get it. You like Blade Runner. Uh, you know, like at that. So I was trying to find like a spot where it's like, like what's a happy, what's like an artistically cool place to go with this. And so I find myself, what makes the most sense is digital, like futurism. Cause that's what the music inherently sounds like. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, what if we like laser focus in on that? You know, it's like now in that world, now we're talking like things like Blade Runner and shit like Tron and that kind of stuff. And it's like cyberpunk. Now it's like in that lane of art, what do I like personally? I like shit like Ghost in the Shell. I like yeah. shit like 
that director who did Chappie and he did like District 12, I think it's nine, called. District Nine, District Nine. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. That director, like that look of that shit is like so real, like it's so cool and like so like not like like fucking snazzy. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. I like Blade Runner too. That's like a, a awesome example of that. But it's like, let's not be so like, let's have some fucking nuance to this, you know? Um, but yeah, so that's where I landed with that, where it's like, okay, shit, not like as a human, I'm not like obsessed with that shit. I just really like that. That's one of the many things I really like. You know, I also really like fucking like deathcore, like metal. Like I like super like horror, like horror shit and like brutal stuff. But I'm at that time, it's like I'm an electronic artist. So it's like you can't just like for no reason at all start incorporating just like brutalist horror aesthetics where it's, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre shit. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't make any sense. It's like, how does that mix with like sound design synths? It just doesn't, you know? So that's how I landed with that stuff. Cause it was like, yo, like, I, I do like some dystopian cyber. Well, actually, I like quite a lot of dystopian cyber shit. But what's a- aesthetically cool with that? Like what's artistic with that stuff? And I, I land on that kind of shit. So did you self-teach yourself how to do 3D design or did you take a class or? All of it, my man. Yeah, I like like just YouTube, 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 YouTube. Wait, so you created those robots in the videos or? There's like a workflow to... Uh, to 3d stuff a lot of it is called kit bashing where you take you take a bunch of shit that people have already modeled Mm -hmm. and then you just like smash them together you know um i don't model that's like a really that's a really important distinction to make i do not model so like you have you have uh like linden for instance like ghost girl she models all that shit and sam sam carey uh plant daddy she models all her shit too. I don't model. Um, what I do is I I um, I texture like I do. I work on materials and lighting and scene design, setting like camera. I do every like everything but model mm-hmm. in a three D space because that's the last modeling is so much like physically working with clay that like I don't. That's not my thing. Mm-hmm. I'm more about like the vision. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't in my, to, as an example, like I don't really care how I get the robot. I just care that I have the robot. You know what I mean? So I'll find a lot of, I'll find a lot of pre-made shit or like have my friends help me make something and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I've actually been starting to really get into that stuff too. During this quarantine, I've like focused on different ways I can work on promotion and learn, learn a little tools and stuff because we're leading, we're edging towards a world where fucking the job market's going to completely crash and that being independent and being able to have your own independent business is going to be really key. Whether you're an artist, podcaster, selling merch or clothing that people actually want, it's all really important. So um, what I've noticed when I've been working in media, how many, how much things like overlap like, oh, I actually know where he got that sample from because I found the exact same sample. Or like, I, um, yesterday, no, so actually I, how I figured out how things overlap, if that makes sense, is like I was watching, this is a terrible example, but I was watching, at the beginning of quarantine, I was watching R. Kelly's um, Trapped in the Closet thing. 
Yeah. Like his whole fucking music video. I was like, I know he's a terrible guy, but I just want to get this out of the way because I've never seen it. Yeah. And something that I noticed though, besides how terrible the acting was, is that when it was like a um, video transition, it would be like stock foot slide number one. And then it would just be like a stock heel. And then, you know, that's the person's walking or something or like, mm-hmm. um, or like camera angle four of a taxi turning down a driveway or something like that. Like you, that's like all stock. And I've started to notice that in like other TV shows or like movies. And that's how I tell like the production value in like a movie or something is if you can like see like the actual ceiling and like a shot or whether it's actually like a set or like how video transitions work and all that. So I've been like really noticing like how everything works and it's, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, man. Uh, with, with sound, with production, like uh, producers, that's like so obvious and it totally is like a trickle down thing in that sense where it's like you, the higher you go up on the chain, you see less of that and you see more all original, but like until you hit that point, like there kind of is just so many, little resources that people share the biggest one i see there's this fucking in visuals there's this fucking particle lay uh, overlay that like everyone fucking uses man like i never use that shit because i'm like i see this shit everywhere dude <laughs> it's like this like shutterstock particle thing mm. and it's like dude i it's like every fucking time like guys you need to just make your own or something like please but um but yeah, in production, in and when the producer ecosphere, uh, that shit is really obvious. Like it's all over the place. Like I did that splice sample pack, and when that shit was really <laughs> popping, dude, it was like what's what's crazy is I was in a lot of repost chains at that time. I'm only in like one now, mm-hmm. um, because that's the homie that runs that shit. But for a minute, I, when I was going fully indie, I was like, I'm going to get in as many as I can so I can, like, push as, as fast as I can. And, like, dude, it would be literally, like, every other day, one of the reposts, like, had one of my sounds in it, like, obviously. And it was like, yo, like, what? Y'all are really out here like this. Because I, being, like, from a distance, like, I wouldn't notice when someone uses, like, a, a stock sound, you know what I mean? Like, I would not notice that, because I'm not up to date on stock sounds. I, like, make most of my shit, and so, like, at that time, it was, like, dog, like, y'all are really, like, digging into this thing. It was really flattering, to be honest. It was really flattering, and even still to this day, dude, like, I hear shit. I still hear shit that uses, like, a few of the samples that I made. It's kind of crazy, like the inception noise there is like in every single movie now that yeah i think that's a contact pack too mm. i think like one of the ones that they use in because it's like shit i seen that industry now too and i'm like y'all do use fucking dude even in trailer music they use the same shit i like i so i work in that i like have a mentor in that in that realm that like helps me write music for trailers and like he sends me stock shit he sends me presets and he's like oh yeah this is like the one and i'm like y'all just use the same shit man like that's crazy to me but if you imagine you imagine like some hans zimmer shit where he has like a fucking symphony of like 300 people you know what i mean but like nah nah if you see like if you see like the the trailer to what was that movie uh parasite or something like that dog those are like contact patches like straight up 
I mean, I can't say that for sure. I can't say that for sure. So I'll backtrack that. But no, but I I completely noticed all that stuff, like even in movies where it's like a simple, like, I don't even know how to describe it, like a ringtone sound that like, you know, like the instrumentals they use in movies and stuff. Like I noticed all that stuff. I don't, but the thing is, I don't think if you're not an artist, I don't think people really notice that. So I think that's why it's so easy for people to continuously sample. Yeah. And I don't mind sampling. I'm not really like, just because I make all my all my shit original um, doesn't mean that like I beef on sampling. My mm-hmm. favorite music in the world was made from sampling. Like OG golden era 90s hip hop, that's sampling, dude. You know, like I, uh, I'm not that guy. A lot of people are really like core in that sense, but uh, nah. With my music, I don't sample because I shit you not at this point, it's just more inconvenient to find samples than to just make it. But like, if I found a really fire sample, hell yeah, I'd use that shit. Especially if I could clear it. So like in EDM music, I hear like a lot of like, how do I describe it? It's like echoes of like voices in songs or like with a bass drop or something random like that. Yeah. Like do artists make that themselves or how do sounds like that get incorporated in, into EDM? Dog, that's like the worst example of that phenomenon, <laughs> which is like, man. Like, you can make those so fucking easily. Like, are you kidding me? Like, get a mic, dude. Like, hook it up. If you don't sound like some fucking Ice Cube motherfucker, like, sorry. I got to watch my language. If this is going to no, be no, on you, the radio, you can, you're going to have a... You can say shit. It's fine. It's, um, it'll be on, like, all the streaming services, so... Oh, okay. Got yeah. you. Got you. Okay, cool. Yeah, so... uh, um, What was I going to say? Yeah, if you don't sound like an Ice Cube type motherfucker, like, that's okay, like you can find a hat just, just find like it's just that's so easy to make that like it's hard for me to even imagine using like a like cymatics or splice sample for like a pre-drop mm-hmm. like you guys have like no disrespect to producers seriously if you find like pure gap like shit we use some splice shit for can escape so like don't get me wrong like me and omar even use that but that being said i have a verse in that song mm-hmm. so like we st- you know what i mean like we still we still like put in the effort to have OG vocals. But my thing with the pre-drops is like you have like four words. Like that's all you gotta come up with. You know what I mean? Four words and like a good voice. Like if you got a zoom mic, like a like a field recorder or something like that, like you don't even need a fucking studio for that. Or like shit, like dude, I've done shit off my cell phone that worked. You know what I mean? Like you can a pre-drop you got four words dude like you can make that happen in 20 minutes i don't know like that shit is wild to me using the using like the pre-made like little phrases that's crazy as far as a vocal top line i get it that shit's hard to come by like especially as like a songwriter it's really hard to come by a full vocal top line that sounds like really really good but um yeah those pre-drops no come on you can make that you know so do you connect a lot with like the community inside seattle when it comes to music like is there like a edm artist community or do you just basically live in seattle or how does it work for you like do you try to be part of the community or um i was a lot more in like 2016 and 2017 uh well there's not a lot of it anymore like i'm gonna be real with you like that's the thing there is some don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. but the the sound of that side of things has changed enough to where it's like 
outside of a few clicks, I'm not really that interested in it. Not in like a disrespectful way, but like my point is, is like what really thrived and flourished after like Molly and Sean left um, is like, or even like flourished is even like a, like a slant here, but like, uh, or a stretch here. But uh, what really worked, I guess, after Sean left was like a lot of tech house stuff. And like, I like techno, techno specifically, but even that community, I'm not that connected in. And I mean, if any at all, like, okay, real talk, like I could go on that rant about how, like, about how I, I really gravitate more towards like really small clicks, but in reality, like, dude, there's just not much left from what there was like back in 2016 and 2017, um, you had like Sean and Molly. So Sean was running the full-time nights and Molly was uh, curating the halftime nights. So you'd have a lot of like selection and like, uh, like just dope ass producers. Like, like uh, Hoochie, if you're into that kind of thing, there was like a good Bauer show, Carmack, like selection, like uh, we did it. Artists would come through like Lunas. I seen twice at Q night club, you know? So like you'd have a lot of like, really sick artists like that come through when um, Molly was still in town. But like the show started to die down around like 2017, 18. And then it was like hip hop nights were really popping, which like that has nothing to do with me. Although I love hip hop, but like, I don't like club hip hop. I just, I don't Mm. like, I'm not like that big into that shit. Um, So that was like still flourishing in like a nightclub ethos, but like, Pretty much, I, I guess to answer your question in short, man, like there's not there's not much left that I can attach to di- directly besides the people I love in the first place. You know, the, the people that I really grew to love from back in the day. That being said, the wave scene is sick. There is like uh, human error. That whole click is really fucking cool. They're really sick, but that's it's very niche. And I like Gabe's I like the Shook crew a lot. What Gabe what Gabe has done with that. Um uh Mark is cool, subset subset is cool, but that's that's really where we start talking about like where my aesthetics come into play because it's really hit or miss. Like I'm really, really more privy towards halftime stuff. But yeah, um, that because of that phenomenon and like the fact I just started playing more out of town shows. And when you work in like an industry for a really long time, like you gain a lot more friends, like just in the industry, you know, like I like my closest friends are in Seattle for sure. But like when it comes to like the extended friends, like, dude, I would say like one of my best friends lives in Colorado. Like mm. Mark is he goes by brothel. That's like one of my best friends, and like he lives in Colorado. Like, What's Edian's huge there, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He lives in Fort Collins, though. He's kind of like in like the. He's kind of like lives out in the desert or some shit, hmm. out in like out out of the city. But um, but yeah, man. Like I, it's the network is like big enough to where it's like. Look, I don't know. Look, like shit in Seattle is cool though. I really like Seattle. I like Seattle because of uh because of the city itself because like. I have a lot of friends here and it's beautiful in Washington. So that's why I really like Seattle. But um, the scene, I don't know, man. It's not what it was. Definitely isn't what it was. I think, I think there's going to be another resurgence of momentum. 
but right now, well, obviously because of COVID, but let's act like COVID <laughs> isn't happening, you know, right before COVID. Uh, yeah, like it did seem like there would be a really, there's going to be a really big resurgence of a, of, of a new-ish scene. It just depends on what that's going to be, you know? What do you I think, think D&B? Do you, what do you think is the biggest genre right now in Seattle? I don't even know, man. I don't know. Um, that's so hard to say because, fuck, man, that's like another thing. It's like your regular club goer. Like, I I don't purposely do this. It's just like my routine. I just have like a bit of not anonymity. Anonymity. It's like see an enemy from Nemo, basically. Yeah. I'm like a bit, I'm not a, a bit anonymous on purpose. It's just my routine of things because I don't go out here too much anymore. And I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm not that social anymore in a sense. I work too much for that. But, uh, but yeah, I, so it's hard to say. I don't really know what's popping like that, like real, for real, for real. But I do know, um, I do know like the wave scene is growing fast like really fast and the dnb it's funny because we have the fucking longest dnb night in the world in seattle but like the dnb scene is uh growing really fast mm-hmm. and so i would i honestly think drum and bass is up next but i don't know can't call it do you um, me per- no you go my bad uh me personally i write i've been writing weird indie electronic shit so I don't I, like it's that's more I'm saying the DNB thing as a completely unbiased standpoint because mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not leaning into DNB right now as a producer I'm like leaning towards like indie electronic um abstract shit I guess abstract so do you yeah. at this point are you, are you able to throw like your own events versus having to get on someone else's show and do you ever try to focus on getting on like bumper shoot or paradiso or anything like that um well i did so yeah we uh, i did get um on beyond wonderland before that uh was fucking canceled Mm. um but uh yeah no that was actually the focus for really that was like where my head is at in seattle like if i throw if i throw or if i play a show in seattle i'm I'm gonna throw it to be honest like i i turn especially when shows were still happening i turned down like a lot of shows for that exact reason because uh because that's like where I, I don't know, man, like I just been out here for so long and I like the idea of curating my own shit a lot more than otherwise. Like I, I've only done one, but I fucking threw the hell out of that show. <laughs> so I like, after that, I was like, yeah, that's like the only space I'm going to be in in Seattle here. Unless something like, like beyond wonderland happens where it's like oh this is out in the gorge and this is like a huge festival like yeah i'll definitely do that but yeah it's, that also like that mentality also pertains also uh pertains to like how i want to approach levitate moving forward as well is like when you get when you get on all these shows where like uh where like tech uh, or like where uh other like bass music artists are playing you start to really really get bound to that sound and that scene and if you if you listen to my music per se like you you start to realize real quickly you can't necessarily expect that out of me and so more in strategy 
it's not smart for me to dive in to scenes and clicks and start doing work with scenes and clicks that are specifically bass music because you'll have the phenomenon to where it's like, oh, Levitate's on a roster with, you know, like, um, like Quaxin is a really good example or like Kumarion, you'll have a Levitate on the yeah, you'll have a levitate on a roster with those dudes, which I absolutely, those are like really, really close friends of mine. I'll absolutely play shows with them. But when I'm on a roster with that, if you don't know my music, you would like go to my Spotify expecting to hear like bass music, bass music. And like that's sometimes not it at all. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not the music at all sometimes, you know? And so like you, you let you, uh, that results in kind of like a, uh, cognitive dissonance with the brand you know what I mean so if I lean more into that especially in Seattle it doesn't really benefit me but if I if I see how genuine it, it is on my own if I go and do my own event and I do my own shit um, and it just is what it is like it's just there for what it is you know what I mean then you start to get like it, it that disassociation with a specific network of people um like create it honestly it's just better for me man like it's just that allows me to have like really really true fans because this is like a complex subject because like essentially i wouldn't mind if i if i was truly obsessed with just bass music i would not mind like getting on bills with like kai Wachi or like like doing shows with companies that are specifically known for bass music. I wouldn't mind that if that was my thing. You know what I mean? But that isn't really my thing. Like I I really I like singing on my shit. Like I the song I did with Brothels like fucking Bloghouse. You know what I mean? Like you can't you can't really like play if you were to play that at a show with like my my dude like Kumarion, if if Kumarion was a headliner and like he dropped Vice, like my song Vice with Brothel in the middle of his set. Like that damn, like that damn near might like clear the room. Cause that's like, you know what I mean? It's like 120 like blog house music. So that's the thing is like, I don't really plan on sticking to like hard bass shit like that. So I, so it's smarter for me to, to like essentially do my own thing and not work with these companies outside of, outside of, Seattle like by the way love love all like Kumarion's my fucking roommate that's why I keep on like pointing back like subconsciously when I'm talking <laughs> to him talking about him because he's like 40 feet that way mm-hmm. um but yeah uh like I obviously love like what Waves is doing I love what Subset is doing with uh with uh, uh that, his, his night at Q uh the Thursdays at Q uh field trip there we go um and like i i mean shook all those people i love that shit i really do but trying to like i'm trying to really make sure that like it's its own thing you know what i mean when it comes to out of town stuff dude i'll take what i can get like i'm still Mm -hmm. coming up like you know what i mean i I will definitely like in atlanta like for sure i'll play like with like a straight up wook bass artist like bet let's get it you know i don't know that city yeah. I do know that, but you know what I mean. Well, like you're, you've already been in Seattle long enough that you're not an up and coming artist in the sense that you need to focus on collaborating with other bills or anything like that. So in that sense, it definitely yeah. does make sense. Well, that was a, that was also another thing is like, I had to, 
I had that that mentality for so long. I had to see the actual like reality of that. I had to see like if if my hunch was right. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, I should probably just like do my own thing. And so that's like why we uh that's why why I did that show and like did the audio visual show. Um and we nailed it. Like I like five hundred plus people were in that shit. And I think we were like fifty tickets away from like selling out. Damn. And so it was like, Yeah, dude, like bet. Like I I did it. Like or how do I put that? Like, that's right. Like I that's what I should be doing. You know what I mean? And after that it was like, yeah. So if I come back in Seattle if we do a show in seattle in the city um yeah it's probably gonna be me like it's probably gonna be me like fronting the bill on that and 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 doing the all that shit of course like that stuff takes teams you know Mm -hmm. like i had brought on upper left to help out uh just like get the word out of it i had uh, austin robertson really really fucking helped um with promo a lot because yeah he was like building his own team for pr uh there's Hannah was Hannah did like the the LD stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean like, who else was really? Of course, Jackson and, and Sawyer helped out on that um, with the opening, with playing the shows, and then uh, who the fuck else? I mean, there's like countless promoters. Like that's a like sidebar tip for throwing shows is like really dog. Like you can have you can tell you can tell your three best homies that you have the sickest fucking hennessy void whatever sound system in like the state mm-hmm. but like if that's all you tell like no one cares like 100 <laughs> percent, yeah dude 100 percent. the name of the game with shows is like how many promoters you can bring on it isn't even like like i would even say that's damn near more important than like well no but pretty much like the best and the most promoters that's what's going to make your show pop. You know what I mean? And a good artist, but like, yeah. But there's a difference between like connections and collaborations, you know? Like I feel like you definitely need connections to get anywhere in life. But like with collaborations, I feel like even me, I sometimes find myself using a collaboration as a crutch, but you realize that you grow more when you don't need a collaboration to grow as an artist. Cause it, you're, you kind of like, it's a crutch in a sense. If you're, if you're using it the wrong way, a collaboration. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, see, like this is this is, like draws into like a bigger conversation about about just being like a very like genuine artist. I guess like my favorite artist in electronic music is Lauren, and so Lauren is like on some weird shit. Like Lauren writes like cinematic electronic stuff. Um, it's very electronica. You know what I mean. And I don't think that guy has ever collaborated with anyone. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think anywhere in his, in his uh, playbook is like any collaborations with anyone. And I'm not saying that's necessarily like static for sure the way to go, but I think there's just something to that where that means that like his fans are fucking his fans, dude. And like, they know what they're getting. Like that is on him that is his hustle that's like it's like you gotta admire that where it's like dude this is no bullshit like if you if you want to move mountains you can move mountains you know what i mean there is no guess about if you can move mountains it's like that's evidence right there like you can do what you want to do um so i think like 
I think when it comes to collaborations, like me personally, I try to do my own shit as much as possible. The collaborations that do happen now are very natural. That being said, I get a ton of people to remix my music. <laughs> like they, like people ask about it a lot. And I also ask people a lot because that, in my opinion, is like a really sick way to collaborate with people. It's really cool. I'm also very humbled that anyone wants to remix my shit at all. And so every single time we end up doing some remix project, I'm like, get the hell out of here. Like, why do you guys want to do this? <laughs> but they're awesome, man. Like, my, they're homies and they, they, they hook it up. I'm like, honestly, super humbled by that shit. So how do you compare yourself to like a, a Deza or like an Elenium? Do you try to connect with them? Or are they just kind of their own lane and you're in your own lane or? Uh, with those two names, you 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 hit real hot and real cold with me. <laughs> like I really like Odessa, not so much Elenium. Mm-hmm. Um, just aesthetically speaking, uh, I with Odessa, I look up to those guys a lot. I think they did. I think they did a lot of things right, man. Um, like fuck, dude. Like a really, they have live performances on KEXP. I think that's so sick, dude. That's like so admirable. Like you guys did some shit in your hometown that is just like that speaks like this so works outside a realm of a major festival like big lights and all that shit that like y'all are playing on a fucking indie radio station to do this. Like that's so sick. I love that so much. Um yeah, I think for them with that brand they they did a lot of things that I admire, a lot of stuff. Like if if they were to ask to if if I had ever like gone in the room with them per se, and there was any effort or any proposition of doing something together, like not even not even like writing music, just like anything, you know what I mean? I would I would definitely be open to that because it's like they're fucking great, but um. Real talk, like, I don't know if this comes back to, like, the stubborn thing, but there's a lot of artists that, like, bigger than me or not, like, I don't give a shit. Like, if there was a conversation about, like, you want to work together, I'd be like, well, I don't like your music. So, like, I'm not going to fake liking your music to work together. You know what I mean? And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Straight up, like, art is subjective from the jump. The only reason that we have careers, that that's some real shit. Like, the only reason any of us get paid from this shit at all or, like, do things is because of subjectivity. So, to ignore and deny subjectivity and opinions to, to like, what, like, gain clout? Like, that's parasitic. You're, like, poison to that because this whole shit is built on subjectivity. So, like, what? You're going to bring, like, disingenuine, like, moves into this, into the picture? That's, that's shit, man. Like, that, that ain't me you know so there's a lot of people there's a lot of people whether or not they write pretty pretty music or their fan base aligns with mine or whatever that um i wouldn't i don't know i want to work with but odessa fuck yeah dude they're great they are super great so when it comes to when i'm talking like up and coming artists they're like oh yeah i reached like forty thousand streams on this song and then with you you have like eight hundred thousand to like a million like do you feel like in in a sense that like you've made it and that you're happy with your numbers. And if you don't get higher numbers than a million streams on a song, you, you already have your click and your niche of fans or 
how it's all subjective, man. It's totally subjective. It's, it's just like re- contextual. That's a better word. It's all contextual, man. Uh, I, I'm happy for anyone. Like I get happy at like shit that has like 3000 plays. Cause I'm like, Oh sick. They like that. Cause there's a lot of reaches that I make. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a ton of reaches that I make. Like I just kind of out of just like pure apathy. I like dropped a, yeah, let me double check this on my other monitor. I dropped like a a uh, lo-fi indie song with my boy that like my, my homie played guitar on the song like two year, two plus years ago. And I just sang on it like on some new wave shit. I guess you could call it new wave. And um, yeah, like that's the thing is like that that song has 2,500 plays. And I honestly think that's like awesome because it's like this is anything but uh, what I would normally write. Whereas like Chasing Heaven has 8 million plays. But the thing is, is like I can explain like that's with like a guy that had like such a huge fucking career and so it's like yeah i can kind of expect that but does that it's like in for that i felt so 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 blessed but it has its own it has its own kind of flavor to it you know what i mean where it's like i know what that is you know what i mean like if we're talking if we if we like speak objectively here it's like super sick that his fans like the work that i did on that song enough to make it like one of his like like not most but like it's on the upper end of like the amount of plays that he gets but like um but i know that's his fan base you know what i mean so that's me like kind of just like through someone else's avenue whereas like uh with i did this song called all that i've done that that's about to break 200k that shit it's got my voice on it. It's got my, uh, like, everything. Like, it's, that was all made in this room, and there's not a, no engineering anywhere else, any, anything like that. Damn. That's 100% me, and it's on my label and all that shit. Like, even the back end, like, is publishing as me. And I'm like, yo, like, this got on some playlists. This got some love. Like, this, this is breaking, like, the six figures. I'm like, bet. Like, that's fucking super cool to me Mm -hmm. that's super cool to me and it also shows me that like this can be done right now there's not like a pipe dream thing where it's like oh if i write the right amount of gas like maybe something can pop it's like no something kind of did pop like not crazy but like 200k is good to me it's just under that right now and so i'm like sick so it's all contextual man like it's all contextual for a while soundcloud was out of this place where it's like if you don't get 100k like you're like not doing it you know what i mean that was like soundcloud for a minute but shit's so different now i think i think it really like comes down more to like engagement and like what what you're trying to do like how good is like how good is it working for doing what you're trying to do you know so the number of when you can turn your hobby into a career is all subjective also or do you think that for an artist to actually make a living, they consistently have to be reaching over a million streams. Like, when does nah. when does an artist like is twenty thousand always going to be like a lot of streams for an artist? And can they like if an artist is consistently like making like a, a song that has like twenty thousand to like a hundred thousand, can they make a living off of that? Do you feel, or do you feel like for an artist to actually be happy with what they're doing? they have to be reaching that a million mark for each song or a million streams for 
the Spotify wrap up year or yeah, uh, it's a uh, well that those two things that you said are vastly different. For sure, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people get a milli on the Spotify wrap up. Mm-hmm. That's definitely not the hardest thing per se. Um, but uh, no, yeah, man, um, that is totally in context. I, it comes down to how a how much of a hustler are you? B like what moves have you made to get up there? C like what kind of fan base do you have? like really like i was i mean shit man like i was paying my oh also a huge thing what's your standard of living that's Mm -hmm. fucking huge dude because like this becomes a a topic more about entrepreneurship you know what i mean and how well you can monetize something like i was i mm, after we had level up out which is like the second tune i did with bass actor or whatever after Mm -hmm. we had that out my album was out and um, I moved out of my mom's place with like three racks in the bank. I took like three racks and I moved out of my mom's place. And then I started with like one month of rent ahead. Right. And so it was like, all right, let's get as many shows as we can. And then that was it. Like I was like a shitty hustler in that sense where I was like, let's get as many shows. That's fucking the goal, which like, I guess that's kind of always the goal. But like what happened was it was around January. Like I moved into that place in November, like, three, four months later, it was like, oh, uh, yeah, no, I have no money now. Like literally no money. And my royalties aren't coming for another three months from like the base nectar stuff. Um, so what do I do? You know what I mean? And I was like, well, I'm not going to go back to busting tables because if you can do it one month, you can do it 12 months, theoretically. You know what I mean? So I was like, I'm not going back to busting tables. What am I going to do? And so I started teaching lessons. I started using like the graphic design that I knew to like just start hustling graphic design. And then I was like making merch and it was like, okay, like there's like a grip of avenues to actually make money from this shit. And it's like, however, however many hours in the day you want to allocate to this, you can get paid. It's just like the amount that you do get paid once you have it. And this is all under the contingency that you have a fan base, right? However many hours in the day you want to get, you want to put in forth uh, getting paid on this shit is really how much you will get paid and how much you can sustain that. Now the question arises when I say, when you have a fan base, how much of a fan base do you need, right? Like that's really the source of this whole conversation, right? Um, I don't know, man. I really don't. Cause I look back on my career. I look back on like with where I've been in the past on my, on my career. And it's like, well, could I have done this? Could I have at that time, like November of 2016, could I have paid my rent off of music without the bass nectar shit? Well, no, I couldn't have like point blank, but, but could I have put out like four times as many singles as I was at the time, had my label drop them all, push the fuck out of them, get those hundred thousand, get like the fucking, all the plays, you know what I mean? Done that and then booked more live shows. Fuck yeah, I could have. Mm-hmm. Dude, like I went ghost for like a year after that, after Level Up came out. I think I released like two songs in a year because I was working on my whole album. And then 2016 drops by and I dropped just a whole fucking album out of nowhere. You know what I mean? And it was like, yo, like I probably could have just released those as singles and that would have made my career move much faster. You know, so it, it really comes down to like 
how much hustle you got in you, how intelligent you are about those hustles. Like, I don't know, man. I think you could probably like, if there was a number, if there was a number, you could, and we're talking real fucking smart, really, really fucking smart, like diehard fan bases. Um, if there was a number, you could probably get by with like 50,000 monthly listeners, you know, uh, maybe like 30, 30 to 50, like low ball, like 30,000 monthly listeners on Spotify and somewhat of a reflection on that on SoundCloud, you know, because especially if you're really in the blow up stage, like I'm watching Omar do this right now. Like Omar is in that stage to where like his shit is like mm, picking up really, really fast. And so in that, it's very contextual. Like some people, if they're impressed with you, they're like, wow, you went from having like three releases that uh, didn't really do much to having like a song that has like 190,000 fucking plays out of nowhere. Like then you're going to get shows and then you can make your rent. You know what I mean? So it, it's like, it really, really, and I like don't mean to sound cliche with this, but it just really comes down to how much heart you got, you know, like how much hustle you really got in you and how smart you are. Like, you, I, I hate to say that, man, but like, here's the thing. I've met some <laughs> dumb artists, man. I'm for like, I've met some like artists who have, are on record labels, work with big time artists, like fucking like, like I know artists who have like worked with like TI and stuff like that. And they're just not even really a person. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Well, like the thing with that is like, and that's why I say that because it's like, you can do something like that. You can do some crazy shit, but if you just like are not really, if you're not privy enough at the time to really understand how else you can make money or how to monetize that type of shit, you're just going to take L's. Like I know a lot of people that did huge, huge, huge shit, bigger shit than I did in my career. Um, and then they're like, they're like working like bus, they're like busing tables to pay their rent. And it's like, well, dog, like you should not, ne- no, you should not have to do that. There's ways to not have to do that. You know, like I know a lot of people like shit, there's people out in LA that are like literally like doing fucking huge things and they still work a side job because like m- the music ain't paying them enough. And it's like, that's kind of on you. You know, another really big avenue um, when it comes to that is like music uh, publishing and syncing. So if you like work with like a sync house or like a licensing licensing agent, that'll really get you like really far with that shit but uh yeah the reason i don't mind calling uh people like dumb point blank or like talking about something like as like intelligence in this is because real talk you can just make yourself smarter like there ain't no bullshit that to that go read some fucking books and meditate like you'll 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 get bright man i met people that were myself included fucking morons when they were kids and like (laughs) You know, if you just, if you really spend the time where you're like, I'm a self-improve, you can do it. You can, you can definitely like, you know, not notch up the, that score a little bit. You know what I mean? Do you think there's like a mindset that you notice that gets people to stopping them from like being successful? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot and I think a really hard pill to swallow and like, I probably get a lot of shit for this, but like, I think a really hard pillow pill for a lot of people to swallow is uh substance abuse like that uh, mm-hmm. like not even in some like fucking like dare type of way like the reality is is like you do not have to be a heroin junkie for like your habits to just fuck your career up like you really don't man like even to the point of like if you're man like just i've just seen this i can only speak out of like experience but if you're getting like truly fucked up at every single show you play like 
you will it's bad that's that's bad like you're uh, um, the amount of botched first impressions you'll get left with is just like man like there's a lot of levels to it also like like i'm i don't know man like i'm not gonna tell someone how to live their life you, you fucking do you there's a lot of people that are super high functioning alcoholics per se but with me personally i can only speak for myself if i would like if I was nightcapping, if I was if I was calling my own nightcap when I want, and I was nightcapping every single day to like, even like, and seriously, like, bro, like, I, this is completely subjective. You can obviously do this shit. But like, with me personally, if I was getting slightly drunk at the end of every night, that shit's a depressant. I wouldn't really wake up with the amount of oomph that I have if I was like, just like 2% hungover every day. Now, if we quantify that, that adds like, that adds a good half an hour to your wake up routine. It just does, man. Like you got to drink your water, fucking stretch, whatever. That'll add like a good half an hour to your wake up routine. You do that times 365, you just fucking wasted like, what is that? Like some shit, like 182.5 hours. Right? Jesus. You just wasted 182 hours on, on, on working. That's just one small thing. And then also you're working with hangover brain. Like that, which is like shit, you know what I mean? There's a lot of things. There's like micro things like that, that like, I think, I think people's habits will, will just like fuck them. Honestly, if you, if you, if you, if you, uh, what's the word? Like submit to those habits. I don't know. And I'm not even crazy disciplined. Like my shit is sleep. That's like my vice. Like I, I'm like really, 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 really lazy until I'm not lazy. And then I'm like, go, you know what I mean? So like everyone has their thing and I totally get it. But specifically with substance use and substance abuse, like you'll have when you normalize alcohol, like the thing you have to be ready for as an artist is you have to be ready to tour every day. Now I'm not saying that's going to happen for everyone, but if you're not prepared for that, then why the fuck are you in this game? You know what I mean? Like you're, you have to be prepared to like, I have a show every single day in a different state. And in order to do that, I'm going to travel between every show, whether that be driving eight hours or that be flying and that kind of shit. What that does is cause jet lag or it causes, you know, sleep deprivation. It causes exhaustion. Now it's like, if you've, if you've normalized alcohol to a point to where you're like, yes, this is just what I do when I go out or what I do every single night. And like you end up getting truly fucked up at every show. Like you will literally like destroy yourself by the end of like a two month stint. Not because, not because um, you're like, like have been drinking that whole time. It's because you'd be so fucking exhausted by the end of it. Like that drinking will literally make, you're waking up every day hungover. Like you, it's not, it's not because I'm saying like, oh, that much alcohol equals like bad for your body, which it does, but it's more so like that routine will like, you're destroying your sleep. Like you're like fucking waking up hungover. Like, dude, you're going to lose your mind. And that's why a lot of these people, like, that's really what I'm talking about with the success thing and, and like substance use. It's like, that's why a lot of these people do like literally have these fucking problems man, like, like mental health issues through touring. It obviously varies. It obviously, there's obviously variables there, but like, 
the amount of people that will will like honestly just like call it something that it isn't there's like this dialogue about like oh i'm so exhausted i'm yada 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 and being someone that's like very reserved with that shit like there's so much fucking alcoholism in my family i look (laughs) at that and i'm like like quit like you know pissing on my leg and telling telling me it's raining like that's not what's happening like like you're getting fucked up every night dude like that's why you're so spent that's why you're so tired you know especially when you're like especially when you're like 27 like what do you expect to drink like you're 19 you know like no it's not the same dude so i don't i think that right there a lot of people besides a select few a lot of people will not call it what it is but that right there will really really fuck with someone's career and what you can't also you can't if you're if you're on a two month stint and you want to be one of those like hyper productive people like 50 Cent for instance, 50 mm-hmm. Cent would do tours and like knock out full albums on tours. There's a lot of people that do that. If you're one of those type of people, that's fucking impossible when you're drinking every night. It just is like you can't. Nope, you're not gonna do it, or you're gonna write trash. You know. Yeah. It's crazy because music's a total. It's a business. So it's like it's, it's, even though it's not a nine to five job, it's it's almost like a twenty four hour job. So imagine yep. going to your nine to five job hungover. It's yeah, just <laughs> exactly. Like that's what I don't, I just, if, if that conversation was normalized more, a lot of people would be in a better place. I can't say everyone. It's not a black and white thing by any mm-hmm. means. This is not, I'm not generalizing every single person that has mental health issues when they're, when they're touring, like sleep exhaustion will just do that to you, you know? But I, I do truly think like that would be a huge band-aid or a huge aid for the situation. It's like if we all kind of talked about like as as a whole community, we're like, yeah, man, drinking every single day is pretty bad for you. Like it's got to be hard to actually tour that hard. Like even like I've only done runs like I've only done like here's like three shows in different states, that kind of thing. I've only done runs like that even in those small sprints, which like will end up being about a five day trip or something like that. If I'm tr- dude, like I'll drink on the first night. Cause I do that. Yeah. And then like, by the time I'm at the second spot, I'm like, this is hell. You know what I mean? Like I'm hungover. I have to get on an airplane hungover. I have to wake up early. I'm sleep deprived. I'm like pure. I'm uh, by that time full anxiety attack. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like, can you imagine that every day? Like, yeah, you'd go insane. So I, I feel like, when you're backstage at these festivals or you're like in these fucking green rooms, I wish there was more conversation where it's like, where it's like, dude, like I'm not coming at you because you drink or because like you like to drink a lot. It's like for everyone's health and safety. I wish like the teams as a whole, it's like, let's talk about how much we're drinking. Maybe like, maybe every, you know, this, Maybe these crazy fuck real talk, dude, real talk, because we're at where we're at in society and Twitter and the internet right now, real talk, maybe so many of these crazy fucking shitty decisions from these artists wouldn't really happen if they weren't plastered drunk. Like, let's be fucking real here. You know what I mean? Or like mega high on ketamine. Like, let's (laughs) be fucking real here. Like, I have never, I mean, I'll go to the grave with this shit, but like, how do I put that? I don't think these guys would ever consider those decisions that led to being like canceled, whatnot, uh, if they were stone cold fucking sober. Like that shit, you know what I mean? Like you can't be sober and look at those situations and be like, 
yeah, I'm gonna do the dirtbag thing here. Like, no, no, you're probably gonna be a better dude. Your judgment will be better. But you also, know? you can't really have an opinion right now. It's really weird. Like, I don't, like, even with the Nick Cannon thing that happened, like, two days yeah. ago now, he just got fired from Wild and Out because um, he was saying some, like, anti-Semitic stuff. But I feel like also, I don't know, I, I feel like phrasing is really important. Yeah, it's super important. It's also important to um, something that I think is this is a huge subject, but something I think is gross about the industry or no, 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 about like the Twitter sphere. Something I think is gross is people act out of context like uh, like no one has the same standards. Not one artist has the same standards in the public eye. Takashi 69 does not have the same standards as like uh, like uh, like who's like the like Porter Robinson. Yeah, yeah. So Takashi Six Nine does not have the same standards as like a Porter Robinson, who's like a very soft, gentle. You know what I mean? Like very nice. Like if if Porter Robinson did literally a hundredth of what Takashi Six Nine has done, it'd be like fucking canceled because they're they're people judge off of surprise and context. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now don't get me fucked up for a second. I'm not an advocate for be, for doing shitty things in your career. I'm just saying like consistency is important here because it's very icky when like i like say i don't have the same rules as a rapper who doesn't have the same rules as like a a metal dude in a metal band you know what i mean or who has the same rules as an 80s hairband rock star that's like the biggest paradigm here like those guys were demons you know what i mean like that's not that's not really cool dude like then then you're left at a point to where it's like well like I mean, am I allowed to be a fucking person? You know what I mean? Also, the other phenomenon with that whole in this conversation is, uh, is, uh, is, uh, how do I put that? Um, I was just talking to my homies about this the other night is that we're putting musicians in a place where they have, you have, people have the same expectations with musicians as they do like a Buddhist fucking monk. And it's like, <laughs> bro, like this guy is famous for writing music, not being fucking Carl Sagan or like being a fucking Nietzsche. You know what I mean? Like this guy is not famous for being like a philosopher, dude. He's famous for being a fucking musician. Like Rusty, for instance, Rusty's nuts. You know what I mean? He's on about like anti-vaxxing and all that shit. Does that make me not love his music? Fuck no. I think when when it does matter, I think when it does matter in my subjective opinion is when people are getting harmed when you're giving someone a platform for people to get harmed. Now you could hit the, you could say the argument. It's like, well, Rust, he's bringing the attention to the anti-vaxxing movement and he's using his platform to do that. It's like, well, frankly, my line just isn't fucking there because I can move past shit. You know what I mean? Like I, I can only speak out of subjectivity from my own, from my own experience and opinion. And like, I just do not care that much about little shit like that. I do not hold on to it like that. When it does become a problem is when you have people who are getting like directly affected by these people. When you do have, you know, like when you do have like underage girls that will never be the same because of actions that you made. When you do have like people that are physically hurt, that's a problem. That's like an issue and you shouldn't be that avenue to be able to do that shouldn't exist, especially if it's based on your fucking music career. 
that's like when I do see the problem. It's like, okay, you are hurting people. Yeah, you should not have a career that allows you to do that because you would not be able to do that if, if your career didn't exist. That's sure. when I'm like, yeah, that's when I'm like, okay, cancel that shit or like <laughs> stop that shit. But if we're like, people are getting in these fucking fits over people's opinions that literally change nothing about their life. Like, dude, it was a bummer to see that Rusty is an anti-vaxxer. Bummer. But like, I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> man, like I have 24 hours in the day. How much like, how much am I really going to allocate to like being bummed about Rusty being all weird and shit? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not worth it. It's so not worth it. You know, even well, like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, continue. I just, I hope artists, cause I know at the beginning of this, I was thinking about like how everyone could like reevaluate their lives during this coronavirus. But then you think about it. That's actually like a, it's a gift right now. If you have the opportunity to reevaluate your life, cause a lot of people are really struggling right now. So I hope artists that whether they're struggling or not, they're able to reevaluate the messages they're trying to put in their music, how they want people to see their image and everything like that. Cause there's definitely going to be a lot of artists that come out on top at the end of this whole coronavirus. Cause they're putting in all the work while other people are maybe slacking or not even focusing on what's going on right now. Cause like right now it'd be really weird for an artist to put out a song that's not talking about what's going on right now, but there's tons yeah. of artists who aren't and there's tons of artists that are just being ble- like oblivious to what's going on. And I think yeah. those people's like numbers are kind of dropping and no one's really, cause everyone wants to talk about what's going on versus <laughs> people acting like it's just a party right now when it's not. Yeah. I don't think right now is the time to write party music. I, uh, I do think I do see like, I don't know, man. I, I do like the idea of writing sad music right now, but um, because of that, but I've never been, see, I can, in my position, I've never been one to write something that's very literal, especially lyrically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, like, it makes me, like, I'm still going to release music because we're all inside. You know what I mean? Um, well, I say that, but actually I won't release music for a while because I'm like holding on to my album. But I would if I had music to release. I would still release music right now because we're all inside. And I think that there's a justice to be done by get by not like it's it's happy for these people if like they still have new shit to look forward to and like listen to. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a cool feeling. I think that's why we all like music and we all got into this is that phenomenon of finding new shit and so like i think it's cool i think it's cool to keep people entertained but like man it's a real tone deaf if you're writing like club bangers right now i just i do think it is dude it's very tone deaf to write club bangers right now because it's also like what where are you gonna listen to that like how would you not feel fucking weird like jamming (laughs) to that like by yourself in your living room like a like a full-blown like progressive house song or something That would be weird, man. I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah, but to each his own. I, as far as reevaluating yourself during this quarantine, uh, yeah, I think everyone should. <laughs> I think, uh, especially in like in like capitalistic ass America and all that shit, you can really get lost in like a fantasy bubble. Like, can you imagine like living in LA before all this shit happened, where it's like every day is a party and like your job is like 
like a like an artist manager and like your literal only job is to like do bumps of like coke with like random artists and then talk about live nation or whatever like that's <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah that would that would be like that's really a lot of people's lives and that's cool because it's like fuck man your pursuit of happiness is uh unique but like you found it and props to you i guess but that being said i think something that this like this whole thing did is brought a lot of people down to baseline where it's like dog like people are actually dying and we legally like can't do some things and we like morally should stay inside our house. Like there is actual tangible action that needs to be taken in society for this shit. And I think like that has to bring a lot of people down to baseline to be like, Oh yeah. Like life is life. This is not a fan. Like the fantasy cannot go on forever. You know? It's kind of like the it's kind of like the society equivalent to like to like going to Africa and fucking or going to like a third world community and then seeing like oh wow people still walk 6 miles barefoot to get water like shit you know what i mean you got to like reevaluate your stance in 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 life and how you look at things cuz like i don't know you could just easily fall into being a parasite and like but, what's sustainable actually like is your career and what you were doing in life actually sustainable for like more than and the next paycheck or anything like that? It's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Craziness. Luckily, I'd say luckily, um, those wonderful people that might keep my career going, um, <laughs> are still going. And, um, luckily I, I, I've been able to pay bills. Um, so that's cool. I hope, that I have noticed that at the, it took about this long for me to be like, hold up. Like I haven't made money in like a while. Like this is getting weird. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, it's taken this long to get to that point. So hopefully <sighs> there's some finesses that come through. There's some things that I did that come through in the near future. Cause like, don't get me wrong. There's some companies that certainly owe me money, but like, as far as making new money, I'm like, <laughs> it's getting dicey. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think doing interviews are like really important right now. It's just so everyone, like everyone's so personable right now, in my opinion, with my experiences with interviews, everyone really wants to express their voice and what's going on and tweeting about it's not really what people want to do right now because that's the easiest way to get canceled because of how political people are making this coronavirus. But Hopping on a freaking podcast and explaining how you feel about what's going on, how you're currently doing, are you working, anything like that. It's, I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I think people <laughs> should. I think people should. My my um, take on this. I can't. Before I say, I think people should. Dot dot dot. I can't tell anyone how to live their life. That's really how I live my life. It's like <laughs> I can't impose my fucking will on you. You have sovereignty over your own body. You know what I mean? Like I, but subjectively how i feel about it i wish people would shut the hell up about wearing a mask like dude my guy like it's a piece of fucking cloth over your face i'm sorry if this is controversial to like where you're at but it's like dude like really the the scale of of severity here is so fucking imbalanced it's like man i okay so i used to be like a sponsored snowboarder right that was like what i did in my life is i snowboarded um every single day now when you and i'm doing physical activity while i'm snowboarding um so uh so when i was like probably 12 through maybe even 10 through like 18 
um, 19. I, you go outside every single day, do physical activity, face fully masked up, just fully masked up, dude. Like doing flips and shit off jumps. You know what I mean? Um, never once thought about how weird it was to have a piece of cloth over my face. Not one time ever, you know, <laughs> it was just like, yeah, it's cold. You need that. And so if you break down like fundamentally, like what it's like, you guys are just walking to the store, bro. Like, what do you, I don't, I don't understand why that's so, so you, people are hurt about it, dude. People are mad hurt about it. And here's the thing too, is like being unbiased. Um, if I were to be very unbiased on the subject, by the way, sorry for like me being so, so personally outspoken about that. That was a lot of energy to give over something that really isn't that important, but or it, it kind of is important. I don't know. Subjectively, but yeah. Yeah. So if I'm going to be unbiased about this thing, let's say like every single argument stands up on, on the other side of why not to wear a mask. You know what I mean? Mm. I just still like, there's a law passed right now to wear a mask. Like even if like you're literally a hundred percent, which I don't think they are, but like, let's say these people are a hundred percent right with every point that they're making. It's like, I feel, um, I feel what that feels like. This is not in an inconvenience enough for me to want to break a law, like get over it. I don't you know what I mean? Like, I don't think like there's like a sheep herd mind control yeah. that's happening. Cause we're, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I, I just also like the metaphor of like two. <laughs> no, actually, I don't even want to get into the argument of why you should or shouldn't wear a mask. I just do think that like, I subjectively feel like I wish people would stop arguing about, about it so much and wear a mask. Cause at the end of the day, at the end of the day, either nothing happened and you didn't wear a mask or you did wear a mask and you possibly saved someone's life or you did wear a mask and nothing happened out of those three options. Yeah. There's one that sounds the best where it's like, mm, I'm gonna stick with that one. And that's the, I wore a mask and possibly saved someone's life. You know what I mean? So I, it's just like that's that's where I'm at with it. Where it's like, please stop arguing about the silly ass. I know. Your face. Especially because yeah. the numbers prove that you need to just wear a fucking mask. Like the numbers are fucking going up exponential. It's not like they're just yeah. gonna go down anytime soon. The more it spreads, you know. Yeah. Thank you. On a public <laughs> forum, on a public forum, I think it's important to stay unbiased. Um, and when you do express opinion, it's very specifically opinion based. But holy hell, is there a lot more evidence why you should wear a mask? Then yeah. what you know what I mean, like, bro. I don't. What's so crazy about that? I don't. I don't know. People are out of their minds, and they're politicizing everything, and they're like almost like uh, weaponizing those opinions so much, mm -hmm. where it's like people are getting mad. It's really nonsense to me. Going back to all of this shit, though, stepping out of this arena of semantics and specific and specific subjects, I so so am am like a firm believer of calming the hell down of being chill about things you know what i mean like people are so heated about so many things and they justify how heated they are and i'm like i'm like frankly like if you read in any if you read about any i, I buddhist uh, hindu ideology any like eastern ideology their goal really is stillness. And what stillness is, is to like purely just exist in the moment. You don't have your ego forming any opinion. You're just there. You're just, you're like, bet, this is cool. I got a roof, water, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, we're great. 
Um, and I, I live, like, I really am a big fan of that because I think that's pure life. That's like really you, uh, that's really you experiencing life at, the, at its fullest. And so when people are getting in these like insane, insane, like Twitter wars about things that don't actually affect their day to day, I'm like, that ain't it. You know, I, in my opinion, that's not really how I, how I believe things should be done. That being said, I got real bored a couple of weeks ago and argued with a bunch of these fucking kids about KRK rockets. So like, <laughs> hey man, like I'm kind of full KRK of shit too. Rockets, I'm dead, dude. One last thing, I fucking um, I spent so much money on like my DJ equipment during this quarantine because like I'm like, I should just because everything's actually like everything's starting to go up now. But at the beginning of the quarantine, everything was kind of like low on prices, so I just yeah. bought up everything I would need like hold out during this quarantine and just master everything and i like i hopped on ebay and i got a fucking a limited edition gold um ddj ddj sr like the not the sr2 just the sr but it still is like everything you need and i'm like it's fucking golden and it was sick and then um i got like i was gonna get the krks but i just got a cheaper thing it was like do you know what the hercules are the hercules um it's like a it's like they're like called Hercules speakers and they're like, they look exactly like KRKs, but it's like 300 for two. And I was like, Word. So I've been just grinding and fucking getting everything I need to be successful. And That's what's up, man. That's really sick. I would suggest, well, cause it's hard. Gear is really hard too. If you're not in that world, mm-hmm. it's really like, if you're not like seasoned in that world, you're in that world. But what I mean is like, if you're not like, like 10 years deep in that world, it's hard to understand like what is really dope. Like I just went on like a whole mic excursion recently because I want to buy a new mic. So I like researched all these mics, you know, and it's hard. It's hard not to, it's hard to know what you really want if you don't know, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, but suggestion though, my point in saying that though, suggestion when it comes to monitors, like I would always go for Adams or the Yamaha HS series. Like any of that HS series are great. And then if you have a little bit more budget, look at the Atom, Atom Audio series. Like anything that you can afford in that is going to probably is, is just going to be better. Like literally like that, their $200 speaker is going to crush like KRK's $200 speaker just because like the tech is better. Mm-hmm. And also, we, funny enough, like in my experience, when it comes to audio fidelity quality, like kind of go German, man. I don't know why, but like over there, like there, those companies are crazy. Like I, I have an RME sound card and like, I love that thing. It sounds incredible. I got Adam speakers now and like they're German from what I remember and they're awesome. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing too, with monitors, this is a big thing. And like, this is, this is, uh, this like goes in favor of KRKs, but I still don't, I don't like those speakers that much but um is kind of go with what everyone else is getting like if you can afford it get the same speakers everyone else is getting and i would say under the contingency that like i would never i can never fully suggest krk speakers so that's why i say like go with the yamaha hs speakers if you can afford them and any size because if you level if you get the same shit that everyone else is using you level the playing field and you're hearing what the producers are hearing like your your idols are hearing when they were working on their shit you know what i mean or like your yeah your influences you're hearing what they're hearing when they were working on their shit 
So it's not even just because of the fidelity of those speakers or like the character or flatness of those speakers. It's like if you're using the same speakers that your favorite producers are using, you can then work in the same arena as them. I would just say I would just not ever suggest rockets. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we've reached fucking two hours already. So what is some advice that you have? Cause you've, you've been dropping a ton of gems and I think it's going to be a lot helpful interview for a lot of people. So, but what is, is there any other final advice that you have for up and coming artists, creators, influencers? Yeah, man. Um, I just wish more people were in it to bring something new to the table, man. I, I really do. I think there's just so many people that see like, you, fuck, man, you got to look at yourself as, as a creative when you're entering the arena and when you're, when you're literally sitting there on your computer and you're like thinking about what you're doing and why you're doing it, when you're sitting there in your DAW, take a second to evaluate what is the, what is the end goal of what you're doing right there. And if it's to like sound like dude because dude is successful so you can get successful, then like you know you're not bringing anything new to the table. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. What are you doing? I just wish more people would enter the creative arena as like, I'm going to express myself for myself because I think if people saw that, what, what I independently think is cool, they would get why I think it's so cool. And then you can gain success out of that. You know, that's my shit. Uniqueness is very important nowadays. I think, I think people like, I think we were going through a phase where everyone wanted to sound alike, but I think that's kind of dying off if that makes sense. It's like, it's, it's hitting like a steep cliff. Like people yeah. like, even with like, I, I, I do a lot of research on like fucking pe- previous interviews or like articles or like, I'm always on like fucking pitchfork even or anything like that. Looking pitchfork at different, is great, dude. And they're like, they're the most, I think they're pretty non-biased in my opinion, but yeah. like they like fucking slam artists that sound the same. Even like if like I'm TikTok or something, they're huge they'll just fucking crush an album. I'm like, Oh my God. But that's what I like. I think uniqueness is very important. So I do too. I do too. Cause it's a creative game, man. I just like, like, what are you doing? Like, why, why would you make like, I, it doesn't make sense unless you, unless you have motives that are to like essentially be a parasite off someone else's success, you know, like why, why rip some, some shit like that? Like there's no, I don't know. Um, but I like, I imagine a creative space in, in like the ideally near future where there's just so much of the gamut out. Like there's so much unique shit out that like you start to see people's true personalities and their tastes. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like people hurt a lot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when the, the second, I would say like the resurgent, uh, resurgence of dubstep happened, it was like, so 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 many like candy kids or whatever so many rave kids that were into the same shit and they like had the same personality it was like no disrespect to them but like let's be real here like y'all y'all are literally like in a row of like a thousand people doing the same exact dance move at the same exact rate yeah you know what i mean like it's weird wearing like the same rainbow colors like it's just same humans right now like you're you're hurting and adopting the same mentality which is like bet like i get unity that's great but like, it's just like uh it's just in in an ideal world to me in a creative space 
I would just love to see just just so much like creativity, so much like unique shit. And I think, yeah, I think we're heading. I think what coronavirus is going to do really, because you can't go to shows now, is it's really, really going to break that shit up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because it's like you can't. All you have is the internet in your bedroom. Like, what are you going to do? Just sure. find more people. I don't know. Yeah, man. Dude, when things clear up, you definitely have to come to my studio and we're going to do another interview. But like, I had, a, I had a great time talking to you. Probably one of my longest interviews now. Two hours. Yeah, it's pretty it's dope. But, yeah, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I, I ramble a lot. I love it. I love it, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what is the easiest way to reach you? Uh, email. Email for sure. Oh, as a fan? Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, uh, Twitter, dude, I guess, which is weird. Like, I'm not even popping on Twitter. Like, I'm definitely bigger on um, different social media networks. But uh, I've just, Twitter's so fucking easy to, like, pay attention to what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's all text and all info. Like, yeah, I like Twitter, man. Um, yeah, that's really, like, the way to actually holler at me. You can, uh, you can jump on my Discord, too. I try to stay busy on that, but uh, it's tricky, man. Like, Discord is not my native shit. And mm-hmm. so, like, I have, I sleep on it a lot. But I do, I, I am pretty active on my Discord, especially if you at me, you know. And so, on my SoundCloud, which is soundcloud.com slash levitate music, all one word, um, there's a link for my Discord. You can get in there if you want to shoot the shit, like, share some, some songs that you did, that kind of stuff. There's, like, a channel for sharing. Um, but yeah, man, like that's how to actually talk to me. Uh, <laughs> and like, like Instagram, I guess. Yeah, I, I definitely am active on my Instagram too. But yeah, I got, you know, all my shit is on if you're looking for my work. Visually, it's all on YouTube and Instagram. You can see all my visual work on YouTube and Instagram. And then the audio is on my Spotify and my SoundCloud and my IG is at levitate.mp3 my youtube is youtube.com slash levitate official uh yeah i said my soundcloud spotify you can just find me if you search lev on spotify fucking if you're a music nerd and you want to hear me ramble like this but about music production specifically you can hit the patreon oh that's a huge thing yo actually going back to the going back to the monetizing thing Mm -hmm. i got into patreon i got into patreon and like because I'm known for like sound design and shit like that. That was a big thing that keeps this shit afloat. That like keeps uh keeps like some bills paid. So that can help artists a lot. But yeah, you can catch me on Patreon at patreon.com slash levitate official. I'm fucking I'm in all the shit. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I'm out there. I manage myself, so it's just it really comes down to how much time I spent just getting on these fucking social media networks. Fucking LO, fucking audio Mac. I don't actually use LO anymore. <laughs> But um, fucking Audio Mac has some of my shit. Audio, hey. fucking Tumblr, whatever. There we go, man. See, anyone can do it if they have the heart, you know. And you're living proof. One hundred. Well, this... I write weird shit too. <laughs> I like it. I like it actually a lot. I like your visuals with it too. Like even yeah. those like small GIF type things also on like Spotify when your music's playing. All that stuff is dope as fuck. Yo, I like recently got the access to do that. That oh. not, has not always been around. I only got that probably like five months ago or something like that. Oh, wow. And like, that's my favorite shit, dude. That it, like as a visual artist, I'm like, this Fucking is so fire. cool that I can do that. Yeah. Well, this is the NAS podcast with Levitate. There we go. Your boy. <laughs>